All righty, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Pito. And let's go out to our buddy Aaron Schatz, creator of DVOA, chief analytics officer at FTN Fantasy, and joins us here on 92.3 The Fan. Aaron, as always, thanks for giving us a few minutes. How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty well tonight. How are you guys? I like that. We're doing great. I mean, right now we're just getting ready for a postseason game, which is not something we typically get to say around these parts. So all, all is good. I am trying to figure out, you know, you are the creator of DVOA and the advanced analytic community is not too high right now on Joe Flacco. You can't find a soul in Cleveland that isn't high on Joe Flacco, but it feels like the advanced analytics aren't high on Joe. How do you see Flacco and what he's been able to do with the Browns so far? Well, I think it's it's more an issue of, like, what do you believe in the last three years or a few games, right? Like, by my numbers, he's been above average uh, in the few games that he's played for Cleveland. No question about it. But, like, do we learn more from that four or five games or do we learn from the last three years? And the last three years tell us that he's probably a below-average quarterback. But, you know, maybe not necessarily that much below average. But this team is still going to be driven by defense. It's, you know, they're they're not going to be driven by their offense. They're going to be driven by their defense. Yeah, I guess the confusing part, and we'll get, we'll get to the defense, I promise, in just a, a little bit here. But the confusing part for me is you could say, oh, we got years of experience with Joe Flacco. But I've also never seen Joe Flacco really play the way that I have in the previous decade. Forget four years. It's been a long time since we watched Joe Flacco throw four straight 400-plus yard or 300-plus yard games and have games where it just feels like he can do whatever he wants. And I don't know, maybe I just want to give Kevin Stefanski a bunch of credit and I want to give the Browns offense a bunch of credit and I want this to work more than anything. But with Joe, when you watch these games, like the interceptions, they'll catch up to you eventually. But for right now, it feels like it feels like there's nothing he can do in these games that would tell me the Browns are in a bad spot against the Texans this weekend. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that's how it feels. But, you know, like I said, we've got years of Flacco, not just four or five games. And, I mean, he's been something like 15th in passing DVOA for these, for these few games he's played for Cleveland. So that's nice. That's a little bit above average. But that's not great. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. So, you know, again, still going to be carried by their defense. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not as good as C.J. Stroud right now. Yeah, and I I find that interesting because, oddly enough, we've had a lot of those type of conversations, and I've had to kind of talk Browns fans a little bit off the the ledge there when it comes to that debate. It's like, he's not not C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has been uh, crazy, crazy good this season, Uh, and what I like the most about C.J. Stroud is how he limits his turnovers, but I I guess I I do, I'm curious to find out I know we deal with large sample sizes, and I know the advanced analytic community loves large sample sizes, but how do you explain somebody that in year 15 is throwing for more yards per game than we've ever seen him throw for? You know what I mean? Like the little things like that. In the totality, it might not be as good, but for what this offense needs. Yeah. Random variation. It's random variation. He's just happened to have a few good games. It worked out well. Maybe he does jive well with Stefanski. Um you know, maybe some of it is, you know, not having what this offense looks like with Flacco on film yet. But history tells us it is much more likely that he reverts to what he's been the last three or four years than that he's Randall Cunningham in 1998 and he's going to do this for another four weeks. 
Okay. All right. Asked and answered, Aaron. I, I, I can't go any further on that. It's, it's, a, it's a complexing thing. That's, that's the, I think the beauty in Joe Flacco, though, is that I think a lot of people in the back of their mind, they go to what you're saying, and they're like, I know, I know, but then they've also looked and seen with their own two eyes, and they're like, well, wait, maybe, maybe all the time off did help. Maybe his arm had some sort of rejuvenation process. Uh, maybe he went to Switzerland and got the LeBron treatment where he just uh, he just makes his arm I mean, I, all brand new. I don't know, but something's different. I haven't done a study where I can tell you, yeah, this quarterback at age 38, this quarterback at 38, but it's really unlikely. It's really unlikely. I, I'm not trying to harsh anyone's vibe here, but it's just not like <laughs> No, I led you to it was the problem there because I got too high and I, I, I kept going down the road and I kept it's, it's like I kept pushing you for a different answer that I, I knew wasn't coming, but I needed to hear it a third time for some reason because I just have so much Joe Flacco belief. But what's funny is that I spent the first hour, Aaron, talking about how in, in a debate versus who do you think is going to show up, Joe Flacco or this Browns defense, I was adamant that it's the Browns defense that I actually believe in if I had to choose between which one I know will show up, C.J. Stroud or otherwise. Quarterbacks haven't been able to beat the Browns this year. There's two, Gardner Minshew and Matthew Stafford, but they've shut down Brock Purdy. They shut down Lamar. They shut down Burrow. They've shut down every really good quarterback, with the exception of Stafford, that they've faced this year, and I'm just not concerned because of the defense. Yeah, I mean, their defense is very strong. There's no question about it. Now, it hasn't been as good in the second half of the season as it was in the first half of the season, but it's still been very good. So I, I fully agree with you. This defense is much better than the Texans' defense. The Texans are 23rd in DVOA against the pass. They're very strong against the run, but they have a real problem covering passes. So, um you know, that'll make Flacco look good, right? And then I'll look like an idiot for what I said. But the fact <laughs> is, um, the Browns' defense is much better than the Texans' defense, and that's the difference between these teams. What do you see in C.J. Stroud when you watch him play? Oh, it's just um, he seems to have, like, the confidence and the, the poise in the pocket, the lack of turnovers, the lack of sacks. Um, He's just a really strong. He throws a great deep ball, throws a great deep ball. He just seems to have everything that you need. Now, I will say um, one thing to say is he has not been as good this year if you blitz him. And the Browns are fantastic when they blitz. So when they blitz Stroud, he's going to be in trouble. Oh, I like that. Uh, should Miles Garrett have won or should he win the defensive player of the year? Or would you give it to T.J. Watt? Or even Michael I Parsons. cannot tell you. I cannot tell you because I am one of the voters. Oh, you are. You're you're an APL so I, voter. I cannot tell you who I voted for, but I will say it seems to me that there are three very strong candidates, and that's Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, and T.J. Watt. And you probably could put them in any order and feel like you've made a good case. So, um, you know, the thing that Garrett has going for him is. Uh, the thing he doesn't have going for him is with the injuries, he declined a little bit in the second half of the year. The thing he has going for him is the plays he makes are fantastic. Brandon Thorne has a thing called true pressure score that looks at not just how many pressures do you get, but how many pressures do you get against like top linemen, like beating top offensive mm -hmm. tackles. And nobody gets more high-quality pressures than Miles Garrett. You know, it's funny. There's a Browns fan, I'm sure, listening right now, thinking to themselves, Jonathan, you have, an, you have one of these voters 
you got the ear of one of these voters right now. Just just tell them how great Miles Garrett is and really hammer it home. Uh, guys, I need to tell you right now for those listening, Aaron's not the guy I'm worried about when it comes to the voting process for Miles Garrett because you do more than just say 19 sacks equals more than 14. And so that's how we have to vote on these things. So I, I'm not worried about someone like you because you're not going to look at just the sacks. You're going to look at the totality of a player. And Aaron, you know it. Miles Garrett in the totality has been as dominant of a season. I've been watching now for seven years. I've never seen him play this way and I've never seen a player in general on the defensive end and defensive line play this way he's, he's, he's been otherworldly also uh, I sent in my votes about five hours ago really oh we're okay so, so I couldn't even influence so you, can't it. Convince I, me. <laughs> you can't convince me of anything it's too late <laughs> Aaron Schatz joining us here on 92.3 the fan find him at FDN fantasy creator of DVOA all pro slash MVP voter I, I did I, I was wondering at what point you guys did set him in because there is a there's a little bit of a time in between here. Should that should that be changed where you you take the postseason into account? Or should it really truly no. just be a regular season award? No, it should really be a regular season award. Uh, you don't I mean, it would be a completely different award if you took the postseason into account. And if you took the postseason into account, you need to take the whole postseason, which means you wouldn't vote until after the Super Bowl, which means things wouldn't get announced until the end of February. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, it feels like it's weird, though, because we, in the NFL, we just we put so much emphasis on the, the biggest players making the biggest plays and the biggest stage, and we just continue to go down that trope. And then we're like, all right, well, we're, let's, cut this, let's cut this close, and then let's cut this off before we get a chance to. But we do that in every sport. It's not just an NFL thing. It just is, it's just how we do these things, and I understand it, and I get it. Aaron Judge joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. So tell me what it is about this Browns defense outside of Miles Garrett that you do love so much. I mean, they do everything. They they stop the run. They stop the pass. The pass, they're, like, really good in every area of the field except for deep middle passes. But that's a sample size of 14 passes. So what do you really learn there? Not very much. In reality, they're just really good against every – Denzel Ward uh, has been particularly fantastic this year, but also Owusu Koromoa yeah. uh, has been excellent, and Garrett. Um, they're just a really good all around, uh, the timing of the blitzes by Jim Schwartz. He knows when to blitz, um, you know, Delpit got injured, but he was having a really good season. Uh, there's just so much to like about it. Should the Texans really be a 10 win team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're in the AFC South, so they had it a little easier and they're, they're more of a nine win team, but you know, I'm not going to piddle over one win. I mean, they're 12. They finished 12th in DVOA. So that, you know, you're really, that's a nine and eight team, not a 10 and seven team. But again, like one win, I'm not going to like whine about it. Sure. I, I was making the case though. I feel like, you know, if CJ Stroud doesn't ball out, that's their, that's their path to victory. Where am I wrong there? How do they get a win? The Texans that is, I'm not. Okay. You're not. Their running game is uh, not good. And their defense is pretty average, very improved over last year, very improved over last year, especially against the run. But yeah, DJ Stroud's got a ball out, man. If they want to win this thing, he's got to just do really well. Big picture NFL question, Rams and Lions. I, I, I want to root for the Lions in this one. I really do. I feel like a lot of people here in Northeast Ohio, we're, we're kind of kismet with Detroit in a lot of ways. And they kind of want to see a Lions-Brown Super Bowl. But the Lions feel like they're... 
they they just run out of gas. And I don't know what happened with, with Dan Campbell and playing Laporta on Sunday. I think that was just a bird brain decision on his behalf. How you lose potentially your third best offensive piece in a game that was nah, essentially. Nah. He no? wanted to win that game. He wanted to win that game because he wanted the number two seed if Washington uh, upset Dallas. That's your third best offensive. It piece was there. not a meaning. It was not a meaningless day. It was not a meaningless game. The game had meaning, not a ton of meaning, but it definitely had meaning. <laughs> Dan okay. Campbell. Dan Campbell is not the kind of guy who's going to tell his guys not to try hard. It didn't have enough meaning for me, if I'm being honest about it. Because now, I, I don't know how they match up with the Rams. I really truthfully don't. I, and we watch the Rams play the Browns, and uh, they seem very dangerous right now, Aaron. Their defense is very meh, and their special teams are horrible. Hmm. So as good as their offense has been for the last few weeks, the Rams are not an unstoppable Titan right now. And I, the Lions, I think the lot, you know, I think it's pretty close between the Rams and the Lions, given that the Lions are on, at home, they're, they're properly favored. But I don't think that the Rams are quite as dangerous as people think because they're going to do something stupid on special teams to let you back <laughs> into the game. Uh, let me take it back to the AFC. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I said I thought the Browns were the second best team in the AFC. I, am I crazy for that thought, or can you find an avenue to get there as well? Yeah, you're crazy. I'm sorry. The Bills are the second best team. <laughs> the Bills? The Bills are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Bills are a better all-around team than Cleveland is. Again, you know, you're really drinking the Flacco Kool-Aid if you think that the Browns are so up with the Bills right now. Would you put – that's why I love you because you're honest. Yeah, would you put the Browns – are they sandwiched somewhere between the Chiefs and the Dolphins for you? Or are they just nicely – tucked in at the third spot if you had to do some sort of uh, power ranking in the AFC? Because I'll take third. I got no problems with third if that's what you think. Nah, I, I, no, no disrespect to Browns fans, but I think that the Bills, Chiefs, Dolphins are better than the Browns. I think the Browns are the fifth best team in the AFC. But that, I mean, that doesn't mean they're out of it. The yeah. thing is, the Browns are a lot closer to the Bills than the Bills are to the Ravens, at least by my numbers. Oh, so that, that's where the gap lies there. So there's one between one to two, there's a massive gap, and then between two to five, it's maybe very bunched up in your eyes. In both conferences, yeah. Okay, I can live with that. I can live with that. All right, Aaron, I appreciate you as always. I love your honesty. I love uh, the ability to just shoot me straight and, and maybe bring me back down to earth a little bit, as it's all we do. We live in the bubble, right? And so we need outside perspectives from time to time. We'll check you out, as we always do, FTN Fantasy, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we'll catch up with you later. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, again, this defense could go on a run. I'm not telling you to write off the Browns, and it would be a lot of fun if they made the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, be realistic. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you. Have a good night. All right. Bye. All right. Uh, Aaron shots right there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. He knew he just like shot my puppy. That's what happened there. He knew that. He knew he knew that entire time. That's all that was. But what I love about him is that he just it's how he's always been. He is just a straight shooter. That's why we have him on. I, I don't have on people that are going to tell me what I want to hear. I don't have on people that are going to make me feel good inside and make me feel all warm and fuzzy. Everything down to the Dan Campbell point. He's like, listen. That was not a meaningless game. In my eyes, it was a pretty meaningless game to lose your third offensive player. But he, like, he comes to bat with some of his takes. That's, that's what I want. That's what I've always wanted. And I want to hear from you guys. 216474 to below 92. Does it bother you that when it comes to 
the advanced analytical people, the people like our guy Aaron right there, they just don't see it the same way that we see it. There, there's a there's a, a disconnect here, and I got to figure out where that disconnect lies because w- when it comes to what I've seen, when it comes to what I've taken in, I don't see it the same way that Aaron does. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out where that disconnect is. Usually, you find out in life, sometimes when there's a disconnect, usually there's an information gap somewhere. Is it on my end? Is it on his end? 216-474-0092. We'll get into that. And also, I really don't think one thing is going to impact C.J. Stroud. I'll explain what I mean by that and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle here with you on The Fan. I cannot tell you who I voted for, but I will say it seems to me that there are three very strong candidates, and that's Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, and T.J. Watt. And you probably could put them in any order and feel like you've made a good case. So, um, you know, the thing that Garrett has going for him is, uh, the thing he doesn't have going for him is with the injuries, he declined a little bit in the second half of the year. The thing he has going for him is the plays he makes are fantastic. Brandon Thorne has a thing called true pressure score that looks at not just how many pressures do you get, but how many pressures do you get against like top Aaron Schatz. He is the creator of DVOA. He just joined us last segment talking about Miles Garrett right there. And, and, and listen, I had the ear of a voter, but I didn't have the, his ear soon enough. He said he put his ballot in about five hours ago. I wasn't concerned about people like Aaron, though, because Aaron's not an idiot. Aaron knows how to do 19 equal uh, 19 over 14 is not the only equation when it comes to the sacks between T.J. Watt and trying to figure out if it's T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, or even Micah Parsons thrown in the mix in there as well. He's not an idiot. And he came armed with all the ammo that I would need, and uh, you would you would hope that he'd come with in making that vote and, and the way that he thinks and the way that he operates. Now, the only thing that I would think about, and listen, I know we got some feedback on that interview and there were times where I thought to myself, other than that, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? There, there was a, I haven't, and this, the, I think why it hit me and why it hit some of you guys a little bit harder is that we've been living in our own bubble and our own bubble for the previous six weeks has been sunshine and rainbows. Can we admit that? Can we be truthful about that? Or own sphere and and sometimes that's fine right sometimes it's okay to bury your head in the sand and then seeing everything is awesome and then just make everything sunshine and rainbow sometimes that is an okay thing to do and other times you got to put your head up out of the sand and, and figure out where the hell you are in life that felt to me more like a sobering reality than it did anything else now do i staunchly disagree with the idea that the browns are a worse team than the bills hell yes i staunchly disagree with that I could go on and on about why I think the Browns are a better team than the Bills. I have, on national radio, gone on and on and on. I don't know why I almost did a Boston accent there. It almost just came out, though. (laughs) Talking about how the Dolphins haven't beat a a team worth anything outside of the Cowboys this year. And that was a Cowboys team that was on the road where they consistently struggle. And uh, I don't know how anyone will put the the Dolphins as a better team than the Browns. And if I'm being honest about it, because that's all I'm going to do, it's all I'm going to be here. I, I, the Chiefs don't scare me the way that the Chiefs historically would scare me right now. So I'm sorry. I don't buy into that. I still think the Browns are the second best team. And as far as Joe Flacco is concerned, I think the part of this that is hurting the analytical people's brains is that they want to work off of data and they want to work off of what you've been previously. And I get that and I understand that. But how do you explain to me why Joe Flacco has never put up 323 yards in a season, never come close to it. 
He's never been within 50 yards of putting up 323 yards in a season. Sorry, 40 yards. He put up 279 in 2015, and that's the highest he's ever come to. And all of a sudden, uh, Joe Flacco's out here averaging 323 yards a game. Like, like, tell me how that happens. Tell me how he has his highest yards per catch he's ever had in his entire NFL career. Just to answer me those questions. Tell me how a man that has never thrown for more than 4,400 yards and it only has one 4,000-yard season, but if you stretched out through a five-game sample size and comboed it up into a full year, he'd have 5,000 yards passing. Tell me how that happens. Like, there's something different happening here. And I know it's year 15. It's really hard for analytical, smart-minded people to believe that someone can change after 15 years. Just historically, that's how that works. I've told you guys this before. I used this example before, at least. The idea that if I was if I was running a radio station, would I hire someone that is 55 years old and has been doing radio for 25 years and has never had radio success? Right, well, let's say middling radio success. Would I hire that guy? Or would I hire the person that's 27 years old, has been doing radio for a year, and has a chance to go ahead and get a much higher audience and have a chance to really become something? Which one am I hiring? I'm hiring number two. And most radio stations across the country would as well. Normal, let's, let's talk about a sales job. We can, we, can, we can do one for one here. If you're hiring for a sales position, it's nice to have the guy that's had middling numbers and is uh, in his 50s and a seasoned pro and has been doing it for a very, very long time. But that person's never been number one in their market. That person's never been the number one sales leader for whatever they're selling. That person's never done big-time numbers. So you know what you got with that guy. You're going to take the guy that's 27 years old that has been uh, barely getting his feet wet in it but has shown some real promise. That's who you're going to take because the sky is the limit with that person. And it's really hard for the advanced analytical community to say, this guy at 38 years old, which is basically a dinosaur in NFL world, can be doing something that he's never done before. They just don't believe it. They're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but here's the difference. I don't need to wait for the other shoe to drop because I don't need a full season out of Joe Flacco. The part that gets lost in this story is I just need Flacco for potentially five more games. I don't need him for a million I just need him, excuse me, I have five, four more games. I just need him for a few more games. I need him for five more weeks is what I need him for. I don't need him to be great, and I think that's why this is working so well. He flew into the middle of this season and had zero expectations, had zero weight on his feet, just knew he wanted to play football, and knew Kevin Stefanski would put him in a situation to let that man cook, and he's doing something that we haven't seen Joe Flacco do in years. I think there's a freeing aspect of all this to Joe Flacco. I feel like he's playing with zero pressure, and I feel like there's something that is happening where Joe Flacco right now, with Kevin Stefanski, and the time off that he had, is unleashing a version of Joe Flacco that Joe Flacco's never even seen. You might ask yourself, we've seen this at times, I guess, when he went on the, the little the playoff stretch on the way to the Super Bowl, where he was God's gift of football. Maybe that's what's happening here. But again, I don't need him to be great for the whole entire season. You want to tell me that that eventually the shoe is going to drop and it's all going to come crashing down? Okay, fine. I'll buy into that logic. But again, I don't need him for 15 games. I need him for four more. 216-474-0092. I'm not asking the world. I just feel like... When you see things that you've never seen before and it happens from someone that's 38 years old and is supposed to be basically cooked 
when it comes to what you can get out of somebody, I think it just throws a lot of people out of whack. And I think when you watch these games, the way that we watch these games, I think you, you'd see the same way I see it, where he's just he just looks different. We watched him play for 15 years. I watched Joe Flacco. I was in those conversations when we wondered, is Joe Flacco elite? Is Joe Flacco not elite? You were there. I were there. We all did it. PFT commenter on a on a a news platform in downtown Cleveland talking uh, outside of the uh, Republican National Convention with the sign, Is Joe Flacco Elite? We went through all this. We did this, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We did it. If it was this version of Joe Flacco, we wouldn't have that debate. This version of Joe Flacco is amazing. 216-474-0092. Jed and Richmond up next on The Fan. What's up, Jed? JP, how you doing, bud? Hey, man, how's it going? Sorry to hear about the Rona last week. Uh, you were missed. And I think I heard that uh, the COVID, one of the side effects is that you talk like a Bostoner for a little bit. So don't beat yourself up. <laughs> I heard that too. It's actually uh, New York Times did a whole study on it. I, I don't know. Right. Exactly. So I've never been so I – ca- I came in late. I didn't hear the part of uh, Aaron the pencil nerd like talking about Miles or talking about the Bills. I just nice. heard the end of it. Well, I'll, right. I'll try to be nice. I just heard the end of it. And quite honestly – that is exactly why you, me, everyone in Cleveland was super upset with Stefanski earlier this year and all last year. He didn't take in momentum. He didn't take in game flow. He didn't take in confidence, any of those things, and he was just straight analytics. Uh, Stefanski, it seems to me like he at least kind of adapted now and he's a little bit better in those aspects and does consider all those things. That Aaron statistic guy doesn't and he's lost and he's absolutely wrong him saying that he did come on I, i'm a buckeye fan for life and i love stride he's gonna be my favorite quarterback for years but for him to say that he's better than joe flacco the last few weeks he didn't even play a couple weeks so how on earth does he say that he's that Stroud is better than flacco the last few weeks it makes me insane i, I want to drive up the road <laughs> don't do that thank you jed i appreciate you i appreciate your passion man as always uh that's the thing i mean i Listen, I, I don't even want to know what would have happened if I told Aaron my thought that I would take in a game tomorrow for the fate of the universe, Joe Flacco on this Browns team tomorrow, and only tomorrow, but a game tomorrow, I would take that offense over what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense currently is. I, I don't even want to know what his mind would do there. And I, I listen, we don't, I'm not, we don't want to rip on Aaron. Aaron is a great guest. He comes on here often. I appreciate the time that he has. I appreciate his opinions. What I love about Aaron is that he, you know how hard this job is to come into a radio station where you know you are talking to Cleveland Browns fans and Cleveland Browns fans basically exclusively, and you're going to go ahead and make those comments? Like, that takes stones, okay? So I, I respect Aaron and what he does. I respect him coming on this radio station and telling me how he feels as opposed to just giving me, you know, blatant whatevers. But I was not prepared for it. I was not prepared for for everything that went down in that interview that way, and we just haven't been hit that way because we've been we've been in our own little little bubble ourselves, and we've been thinking about how great this Browns team is. But we've also been watching these games, and this is it's, it's the tough part of doing that job is that you can't possibly. And listen, I do CBS Sports Radio where I talk about every single team across the NFL, and I find the interesting, and I unearth it, and all that stuff. Hell, the man votes on the AP. Defensive player of the year, the the coach of the year, all the important awards. But it is impossible to do every to watch every single 
game. But we know it because we've been watching these games, just how good Flacco has been. And I think the fact that you can't explain why Flacco looks one way when he looked a different way for 15 years of his NFL career, I think that part, instead of trying to get to the bottom of it and figuring out what exactly is going on, whether it's Stefanski, whether it's just the fact that he's free to play, whatever it ends up being, instead of getting to the bottom of that, it's easier for some of these people just to say, you know what? We've never seen it before, so I'm waiting for Joe Flacco to come back down to earth. It's just an easier thought for them. I'm not saying it's right. I would never do that, but it's an easier thought. And when you have to cover 32 teams and you have to cover every single team and go through the processes, I get how those thoughts can come out sometimes. 216-474-0092. Slater, up next on the fan. What's up, buddy? How you been? Uh, great. How have you been? Good, good. I did have the coronavirus last week. We are getting better. I, I don't have much of a cough today, so <laughs> as I say that, I now cough. Um, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Hey, well, uh, hope you feel better. Uh, lots of vitamin C and water. Thank you. Thank you, friend. What's on your mind? Uh, so you kind of already touched on it, but, uh, yeah, I think Joe Flacco, I think just being home with his family, uh, did something to his mind where he's like, you know what, I still got it. Uh, I think fresh legs and uh, a fresh mind do a lot. Um, yeah, him per- outperforming his self for the last 15 years, uh, I mean, you can you can be good in a system, but that still might not be the best system for you. And maybe the maybe Kevin Stefanski's offense is just the best system that is fit for Joe Flacco to where he can open up the playbook a little bit. He doesn't have to be – you know, dink and dunk checkdowns. Uh, you know, he has Amari Cooper that can, you know, it, he may not be able to run as fast as everybody else, but he can still take the top off of defense in certain ways. Uh, you know, he, he has a complete offense, uh, you know, we'll say minus a, a Nick Chubb, but, I mean, just, boy, imagine this offense if they had Nick Chubb. So I think just his mind being a little more free, uh, you know, him, I mean, when he throws an interception, because he has had a couple that – yeah. I would, you know, that were, eh, some of them weren't his fault. Some of them were tip passes, but, uh, you know, he just, he shakes it off. And I think only a player's mind that can shake off bad mistakes, uh, as a golfer, I know that's important to shake off bad mistakes. Uh, you know, they, I think he's just, you know, playing with an ease to him that he hasn't had for 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And Slater, hit him straight, buddy. I appreciate you. You know, what's funny about that is that the, you know, in the golf world, and Slater's a golf coach, so like he, he knows the golf world very well. Like the the mental side of that game is, I mean, that is that is everything. It's a big part of the NFL too. And Flacco's had that ability to just throw some awful, awful passes right into defenders' hands, pick himself right back up and go. Is this the system? Is it? It's the Fanski and Flacco. Have they just figured out something between the two of them that have unleashed the best versions of both of them? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. We'll continue on with this. Daryl Ryder coming your way at nine twenty. If you're hanging, hang tight. I'll get to you on the other side. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterson here with you on the fan. All righty, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterson and talking a little bit about what Aaron Schatz had to say. He joined us at eight o'clock. First three questions of that interview. And listen, I appreciate Aaron coming on. I really do. You guys know that. It is not easy to come on these shows and speak your mind and speak your truths. And Aaron did just that. And honestly, that's all I can ever ask. But he was not high on Joe Flacco. Odyssey Rewind, go back and listen to it if you want to listen to it. And I'm trying to find out where the disconnect is 
from the advanced analytical community and then our eyeballs? Like, wh- why is it that uh, the, the best answer that someone like Aaron can give me, and Aaron has been around football forever. He created DVOA. He is a voter when it comes to the defensive player of the year, all the, a- the AP MVP award, like all these things, right? He had a vote on whether or not Miles Garrett won that award. He had a vote on Kevin Stefanski and whether or not he won coach of the year. Told us he filled it out five hours ago. Like he is, he's in this, okay? Why is it though that there's a disconnect here? When what is that disconnect? How is it that when I look up Joe Flacco's time in Cleveland, I see someone that's thrown for more yards, yards per game than he's ever thrown in his entire career. He's got a higher yards per catch than he's ever had in his career. He is, uh, he would be on pace for a 5,000 yard season if you threw it out the entire year. He has never, he has never done anything close to that. What has exactly clicked with Joe Flacco? And I'm getting some tweets in here, and I always appreciate your tweets. Um, Craig DeParity says, Baltimore, he had Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith. Were they really that great? Bolden solid. I viewed him, but not great. Yeah, I mean, it might just be the fact that he's got Amari Cooper and David Njoku. Uh, maybe that's part of it. Or maybe, maybe part of it is that for the first time in his career, he hasn't been asked to be the glorified game manager that Baltimore had him be. They always had a good run game. They always had a great defense. They didn't ask him to go out there and win a bunch of games. They didn't ask Joe Flacco to do that. We're asking Joe Flacco to do that. We have a great defense, but it, no part of Kevin Stefanski's coached Joe Flacco. Like, we need Joe Flacco, or we need anyone but Joe Flacco to win us that game. And I think that might be part of the difference. It, it kind of makes me wonder, if you, if you knew he had this in him the entire time, would the Ravens and all these other teams from so many recent years and years ago, would they have treated Joe differently? Because Denver didn't treat Joe Flacco the way that Stefanski is. And New York, with the exception of that Browns game last year, didn't treat Joe Flacco that way either. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Eric and Cam's Corner, up next on The Fan. What's up, Eric? JP, what's good, man? How you doing? Yo, how you feeling tonight, Eric? I'm, I'm glad you're back, man. Now, that COVID ain't no joke, man. Uh, listen, mangoes have more vitamin C than oranges and, and kiwis, so get you some mangoes in your diet. I love mangoes. Um, Why are mangoes so expensive, though? You know what, man? I was at Whole Foods, man. They were three, four, nine for one. They're crazy expensive. I love mango. <laughs> mango is one of my favorite fruits, but it's I'm just I can never get myself to do it. It's too expensive. Got you. I feel you. But listen, I I, I was telling Mr. Ask Mr. Bridges, I was like, um, is there an analytical grade for chemistry? Um, because I'm quite sure that doesn't grade out very well. And when you and we are Brown fans, and hopefully not being homers in our in our observations, but you know the chemistry is on point, and that's what you need this time of year is chemistry. Um, and listen, um, th- these guys are playing for one another; they're fired up. And when you're talking about Joe Flacco, I mean he he's come in, and I've never seen Joe play this way. And you and you you had a good point there a second ago when you said. You know, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, wanted him to be a game manager because they want to put that field possession football. Well, obviously, he's got some serious arm talent. And, you know, Coop and, and the joke, these guys are smiling like never before. And so the, my, my here's the, for your how you started your show was, you know, what am I confident in? I'm confident mm-hmm. in both the defense and the offense. But without Hopkins, I, I'm losing confidence in the special team. So hopefully that doesn't come into play, right? Um, but listen sure. – this this chemistry is is off the hook, and there is no analytical grade for that. So let's hope hope that carries us, man, because they better than the, the 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 Dolphins and the Bills, man. Come on, I I know I can't believe it. And thank you, Eric. I appreciate you, man. As always, I I couldn't believe that either. 
And, and now Aaron was nice about it and that he said the difference between the Ravens and then the Bills were much greater than the difference between the Bills and the Browns, but having them as the fifth best team, I just I could write it I could write a whole dissertation on why the Browns are better than the Dolphins. I know that to be true a hundred percent. Dolphins haven't beat anybody. We beat the Ravens six weeks ago. Only loss they have in the previous ten weeks is us. We beat the 49ers. We beat all these really good teams. It's got to it's gotta account for something. But with Joe Flacco, I think the part that is amazing to me is how it's just it, – it, it, I hate to be this guy. I really do because I, I, at times, loathe the person that would make this statement. But it's just 100% truth in this instance. It's one of those things that you got to see it in order to believe it. And with Joe Flacco and, and how he's been able to do this, I, I joked earlier – it might not be a joke. Maybe he really did go to, like, Switzerland. or where, What country does LeBron always go to every single offseason? And then he goes in and he, like, comes back a completely different human. He goes to, like, a different country, and then they do all sorts of different country things on his body, and he comes back, like, completely different. I, I, I don't know if he's done it in the recent years, but I know there was a time where he used to go somewhere. I don't know. Maybe Joe Flacco got on that plan. because But his arm came back, and, and his arm at one point looked like a water pistol. I mean, it was done. It had nothing left in it. And then all of a sudden he comes back and, and instantly, instantly, his arm looks amazing. You saw those viral clips that went uh, down earlier today. I, I, I mean, you've watched it in games for five straight now. You see what he can do. But you saw that clip that went viral earlier today. He's got an absolute cannon of an arm right now. And I, I, I just, I understand that this will blow a lot of advanced analytic people's minds. I get it. I can't explain it either 100%, but you can't really argue. If you want to be a numbers guy, you can't argue with the numbers right now. The numbers for Flacco are out of this world. He is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in football. I just want him to get his due credit for that. And I, I, I hate that the answer is because we can't explain why it's happening, we just assume that it's not going to happen for a long time. And it's just going to be something that uh, has happened and you can't expect it to happen in the future. We don't treat anyone else that is a young quarterback that way. C.J. Stroud balls out, and we're like, well, C.J. Stroud is just great at football. This is who he is. But Joe Flacco at 38 years old does it, and it can't be because the weapons around him are good. He's got incredible chemistry with, uh, with Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski's putting him in the right situations, and he's letting him ball out for the first time in his career, letting him just throw the ball deep and see what happens, and living with the results if they're not great. 216 92 Terry, up next on the fan. What's up, Terry? Oh, uh, hey, Jonathan. I'm telling you right now, man, I've called a couple times maybe in the past week that I've never, ever called sports radio radio before. But I'm telling you right now, Joe Flacco gets picked because he is not afraid to put that in there. And, oh, by the way, Anquan Bolden, one of the best receivers ever. But he goes up and gets that ball because Joe Flacco puts it in a perfect spot. Now, that being said, he always had a great defense, and Cleveland has a badass defense, and yeah. that is what allowed him to make the plays. Look, the Jets game, he should have lost. He's done pit. That's what he does. Whatever. He's not afraid to release that ball, but guess what? That defense stepped up for him because they believed in him. And I'm telling you right now, the defense believes in Joe Flacco, and they're going to make it happen for him. No matter what, he is always a guy that with one throw of that ball can make it happen. And yeah. it's going to be defensive 
defensive score to win that game. They kept him in the game. He's had historic defenses, and he, with one throw of that ball, can make it happen. But it's going to be a defensive battle, and Cleveland, they're not talking about their defense. And I'm telling you right now, that's what keeps him in that game. And with one throw of that arm, because he can read everything, he's going to make it happen, I'm telling you. Thank you, Terry. Anyway, that's all I got. No, I got you. I appreciate you, Terry, as always. 216474-0092. Roger up next in the fan. What's up, Roger? Good talk to you. How you doing? Hey, Roger. What's up, man? All right, all right, all right. Yep. Hey, you know, John, I uh, I was telling the uh, call screener, I said, you know, the last time I had a feeling the Browns were going to lose, like, emphatic, this emphatic feeling was when they went the mile high. I just said, they're not going in that atmosphere. Uh, I have I know, a bad feeling about that uh, game too, Roger. Yep. Yep. And you know what? I know DTR started, but I said, and I know Joe Flacco's game, the first first game was against the Rams, which I predict him lose that game too. But I just feel like CJ, since he came back at first, I wanted to see how he was going to do coming off his injury. And then he comes back, and it's like he didn't miss a beat, and, he, and he, he's done it two weeks in a row. He is just – he is like something otherworldly. I know Joe is right now too, but so is CJ. And I think with the home field advantage – and you know what? It's not just domes with the Browns. It's every time they go in the atmosphere that's kind of like they're not um, – they don't consistently play in. I'll just put it like that. Okay. They they don't they don't seem to, to fare well, especially defense. That's why I think Flacco is going to answer your question. I think Flacco is going to show up before the defense. I, I, I'm predicting Houston to get two quick scores because of that offense they have, and they're going to catch the Browns off guard on that on um, on the passing game. Maybe even now, some now of that the would running. Be... That would be, Roger, that would be kind of like what happened in that Seahawks game. And that, that part scares me a little bit. But the adjustments that Schwartz made off of that was outstanding. Right. you got to give him credit for that. Right, right. I think the defenses, they'll come up. They'll, they'll wake up. But just like the Seattle, that, now speaking of the Seattle game, I said some kind of way they're going to lose this game. Mm. And I, I'm, I just feel it with Houston. They, uh, Roger, they, I got I got you written down, man. I, I got you written uh, down. I'll call, I'll, I'll call you and say, hey, I was wrong to everybody. All right, all right. And, and call <laughs> in if you're right, too. I want to hear from you both ways, okay? Okay. All right, thank you, Roger. I appreciate you. Yeah, and right now I want to hear from you guys, 216-474-0092. We're going to get to how much of an advantage do the Browns have with this being C.J. Stroud's first playoff start. But I, I, I want to stay with the Flacco thing for just a little bit because you guys are interested, and I'm interested in it as well. I love the unexplainable, and what Flacco's doing right now is unexplainable. But you got to give me a better answer than I'm just waiting for the wheels to fall off the bus because historically this isn't who he is. We know better than that. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman. Your phone calls are more next. If you're hanging, hang tight. Daryl Ryder coming your way at 920 right here on The Fan.